It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hi, Fred. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Joining us today is Tarek Bolat, the CEO of WaveSense. Great to have you with us, Tarek. It's great to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Nice to have you, Tarek. Well, WaveSense is an MIT Lincoln Laboratory spinoff, and the mission statement on your website reads, make self-driving vehicles safely navigate on any road in any condition. And you're using ultra-wideband ground-penetrating radar that has literally been battle-tested now. Uh, Give us some background here. So the the best way to think about WaveSense is that it provides the most precise and reliable vehicle positioning system in the world today. And the way that we do that is an orthodox, uh, which you alluded to. Um, But at the end of the day, what we're doing is providing that level of precision and reliability um, as opposed to some of the other positioning-based sensors like GPS, LiDAR, and camera, which have which work very well in some specific instances, um, but ultimately don't provide the reliability that's needed uh, on the autonomous vehicle side uh, to really build broad adoption and get to a tipping point of safety, uh, and on the passenger vehicle side to unlock these features that the OEMs have been trying to unlock for a long time, things like autonomous parking. Um, and so what WaveSense does is rather than looking around the surface, as you would with a LiDAR or camera up the sky, as you would with a GPS, we're looking into the subsurface, typically about 10 feet into the ground, um, which it turns out is a very good environment for doing localization in. So in, in the subsurface, you have three things that are true that are very important to doing map-based localization. One is that you have a very rich set of features. So we're getting reflections off of things like changes in soil type or soil density, roots, rocks, cavities, utility infrastructure. Um, All of that is generating a very, very unique fingerprint for differentiated over the lane uh, and very static over time. And so it's an incredibly hospitable environment for doing high precision, high reliability localization without regard to doing it to looking at the surface. Um, And so what that means is that now you can localize a vehicle um, in things like snow or rain or fog, um, which we know are important. uh, I wouldn't even call them corner kicks, just important scenarios to to be able to navigate. Similarly, if you don't have roadside features uh, on a highway, for instance, um, or if your field of view is blocked in a city by two trucks on either side of you, or you're in a narrow alley, for instance, um, or a narrow road, all of these kind of common scenarios that you, know, you and I navigate uh, normally just by by looking around and using our intuition and experience as, as drivers uh, need to be provided for um, when, you're, when you're relying on an autonomous vehicle uh, and the current that your staff is unable to provide for um, as comprehensively as WaveSense is. Now on your, on your website, uh, wavesense.io, uh, you have a video of an autonomous vehicle navigating over a snow-covered road using that uh, localizing ground-penetrating radar. We do, that's right. And what we're doing there is we've mapped a road on a clear day. Uh, what mapping simply means is you're driving over a lane. We scan it, uh, scan the ground 126 times per second. 
um, getting reflections off of things like changes in soil type or soil density, roots, rocks, cavities, utility infrastructure. Um, that's generating that very unique image. Uh, and then we're simply matching to that uh, the next time we go through. And that's what's generating that sub five centimeter level precision uh, in terms of localization. And so we're not actually looking at anything on the road. To, to the WaveSense sensor, uh, a clear day and a snowy day look the same from a positioning perspective. Uh, obviously, that's not true for LiDAR-based localization or camera-based localization. And does it, what happens when you're trying to map, say, going over a bridge or you're in a parking garage where you don't have to hit 10 feet below you? Yeah, it's a great question. And we've, we've done work with, uh, you know, with automakers and others in, in both of those scenarios. Uh, and what we found is that even in, uh, in areas that have much, much less thickness, so, uh, you know, an eight-inch thick uh, concrete parking level, as an example, um, uh, we're able to find a unique fingerprint. Uh, and that because of the way that we set up the sensor. And so we've shown very, very good performance across those sort of common areas that you might scratch your head and say, well, I, again, if it's going over, you know, uh, deep uh, soil, um, but if there's a, if there's a bridge or, or a parking lot, it does still work there. And what we've shown in fact is that it does and, and that it works very well. And this is so, like, so go, go ahead, Alan. So this also works very well on a, on a um, uh, major highway where there are sort of automated construction techniques that have built uh, uh, those uh, and, and, and formed those highways. There's enough variation in those things that you get, uh, you get a good enough signal to be able to then uh, map it, localize it, and then uh, track on it. You do, yeah. In fact, in fact, uh, you know, a lot of our partners are based in the Detroit area where you have a lot of uh, concrete uh, highways uh, and roads. Um, and even in those examples, we've shown that uh, where you might think it's, it's more uniform uh, when you're using uh, this radar to generate the images, you get very unique images uh, and very, very solid performance in terms of positioning. Well, you know, this is a, this is a very interesting approach because, of course, uh, whatever it was, 20, 30, 50, uh, even 60 years ago, one was talking about burying cables or, or um, magnets or whatever, and then sensing those. But uh, if you've matched up uh, what is under there anyway, and it has a certain signature, then you don't have to worry about burying it. You just have to worry about matching it up. So um, I guess that's that's what makes it fundamentally interesting, right? Yeah, you know, one way to think of it is, is that you know, Mother Nature or uh, or uh, normal road construction crew have already created uh, the magnets, so to speak. They've already created yeah. the features, um, and so you know, you don't have to go through the the pain and agony of uh, of actually actively laying infrastructure. Up, and the money, uh, let alone the, and the money. Yeah. The, the, well, absolutely. I mean, if you have a natural way to do this, and and basically you then can map out a a, a path associated with it, then uh, you know that that basically gives it to you, right? That's right. What about the cost of of your technology, LGPR? What can you tell us about that? How affordable yes, would this be? That's a great question, uh, and it's one of the things that has put us front and center for the automakers, uh, even in passenger vehicles, which, as I'm sure you guys and your listeners know, are much more cost sensitive than your typical autonomous vehicle, which has you know a lot of uh, you know pricey equipment on it. 
So we expect this to be, uh, from a cost perspective, under $100 um, uh, at production levels. And so while we haven't announced pricing yet, we do expect the, uh, the variable cost of this to be quite low. So that's the radar piece. What's the processing piece to be able to then do the matching and all that and be able to uh, go, you know, get a trajectory out of it and, and use it for, uh, you know, for uh, moving down the road? That's a good question. So um, with, with the partners that we're working with, um, this will be a small piece of a centralized processor that they're using. To give you a sense of what we're doing here, we're basically doing low-resolution uh, image matching. Uh, and so it's not it's not a very process heavy, uh, processing heavy uh, endeavor unlike some of the other uh, some of the other undertakings that you have in, in autonomy. So you basically end up getting a digital signature out of there. You uh, maybe uh, uh, do some waveforms on it and get some coefficients and so on and and put it out there. You know what what boils down to that. Is that basically how you're approaching it? Yeah, you're basically correlating images within a, uh, within a search box. Right. Well, tell us more about some of the major challenges that you face. It, it would seem that you'd have to map every lane of every road to, for this to be effective. Uh, it is true that this is a uh, you know, problem we call a prior map-based technology. Uh, so in the same way with LiDAR or camera, uh, you know, you're doing map creation and then map tracking. Uh, that remains true uh, with WaveSense. The advantage that WaveSense has because of the, the domain that we're working with is that um, unlike the surface, which is subject to very nuanced uh, changes which can affect the accuracy of the map, our maps are typically static, you know, barring utility construction or things like that. Our maps are static over time, um, and so you you map the uh, the area that you want it you want to work in, uh, and then you can also uh, you can count on that map, um, you know, for a very very long time. Another advantage in the way that we've implemented this technology today is that there's no post processing required to use the map. So when we're working with our OEM partners, for instance. We'll simply drive a lane and then be able to immediately track to it. Uh, and so that allows the mapping process to be much more quick uh, and rapid relative to typical uh, HD mapping where you assume some sort of first processing with it. And in fact, it seems like you could use crowdsourcing too on it if you could, um, you know, get a, a Tesla type of entity who uh, basically picks it up over the air, sends it to you, and then uh, basically. Um, end up having it um, not to make the problem too simple but uh, th that certainly would um, would help wouldn't it that's exactly right and that's the vision that the automakers that we're working with have shared with us which is that you build a uh, a base level of math that's useful uh for initial customers uh, and then you have this positive feedback loop where they're creating the map and expanding the map um, as uh, as they drive about, in addition to using the initial map that you've created. And so you ultimately, you know, the more users you have, the better the product gets, the more users you have. Uh, it's a very virtuous circle. Yeah, so it sounds like you could also correlate all of the, these data to uh, some uh, uh, geographic location that doesn't have to be very precise and basically parcel it out and very easily uh, to distribute it and so on. Yeah, there's a lot of different applications that uh, that can be used. There's a lot of ways that you can distribute the map that are uh, native to how the map is created. And now, this is obviously uh, meant to augment other sensors. 
it's more or less a, a fairly inexpensive add-on to, to vehicles that are equipped with cameras, radar, LIDAR? Yes, we, we break the world down into the level four autonomous vehicle market uh, and the automotive passenger and truck market. So in the passenger vehicle uh, and you know, ADAS truck market, um, WaveSense is enabling a new class of features like autonomous parking, active lane centering and roads that don't have clear lane markings, things like that. Um, and for those, you typically, I mean, you have a camera on there, of course, um, because those are uh, you know, pretty inexpensive. You don't typically have a light on there. And so we think of it as feature enabling on that side. Um, on the autonomous vehicle side, on the level four side, uh, we view this technology and our partners view this technology uh, as an enabling technology for getting to a tipping point of safety and performance uh, such that these businesses can be uh, can be rolled out and adopted broadly by the public. Uh, you know, one way that we think about it is if I were getting into uh, an Uber or a Lyft today and the driver said, and it was a clear day even, and the driver said, yeah, you know, I uh, let, let's go for this ride. By the way, I always get in a crash or have to pull over when it's snowing. You know, that might dent your your uh, belief in his overall confidence as a driver. And we think that same type of customer psychology is at play in level four ride handling, where you really have to show a high level of confidence uh, in order to even get uh, those first rides going in a meaningful way. Uh, one and two also drive the utilization of the vehicle. So it's very very important from a business perspective that these vehicles are always able to, uh, to take rides and take fares in all kinds of weather, if they have to traverse certain scenarios that may not be uh, suitable for LiDAR camera-based localization. Um, uh, and then the last point I'll make is that some of the partners we're working with believe they can take out some of their uh, LiDAR costs given the performance of waves. And so if you believe that this is field of view, uh, LiDAR field of view in an L4 vehicle. Part of that is doing exclusively localization uh, work. Um, our partners believe we can eliminate that part of the field of view that's doing exclusively localization work, uh, obviously preserving the part that's doing global localization and perception. Are you able to talk at all about who some of your partners might be? Uh, we can't name names, of course, uh, given confidentiality, but um, there are some of the leading automakers, uh, tier one suppliers, and, and other large players in, in the sector. Terrific. Yeah, and, and it is because I mean, certainly for the lane centering piece of the, of the whole darn thing, um, that has an important uh, uh, in, uh, implications. Uh, uh, you still need to know where the other vehicles and the other people that are moving around and the, and all that sort of thing. So it doesn't you know, it doesn't really help you with that. But uh, certainly with respect to the lane centering, um, that's certainly a, a place where this helps. And all the issues that we see every every day with uh, uh, lane markings not being what they should be, et, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, that's uh, absolutely so. Uh, that's a very important piece. Yeah, in fact, customers, uh, you know, if you talk to the OEMs, they'll tell you that the customers really complain about the fact that the feature for lane centering is switching on and off, uh, and it becomes sort of tiresome for a large subset of those customers when they're just switching it off because they don't want to have to wonder if it's on or not. 
Yeah, you, you, you wish that, uh, that the DOTs would at least paint the roads and do that well and maintain it well, but I guess they're more interested in building roads and painting them. So, well. <laughs> And we'll continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor this week, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. If you don't know about ETFs, well, probably you should. They can be a good way to spread your risk, allowing you to invest in a full category of stocks. And we're focused on transportation and mobility. You know that. So is the MOTO ETF. So worth checking it out. The National Safety Council, Alan, says for the second year in a row, there was a small decline, 2% in roadway deaths in the U.S. last year. Uh, serious injuries declined by a similar percentage. And you point out in the latest newsletter, we may be seeing the benefits of some of this uh, safe driving technology here. Uh, yes, of course, that's the one that I point out because I guess that's the one that uh, that I'm most interested in. There is discussion about, you know, vision zeros and so on and efforts by OCALs to, uh, to uh, uh, enhance safety. Uh, but of course, countering all that is people are, seem to be uh, also uh, texting more and uh, paying less attention. And um, I guess um, uh, while it's going to take a while to figure out the why of this, uh, I guess um, I'm suggesting that, uh, that in fact, because uh, some of these safe driving technologies are finally finding their way into the um, the showrooms and people seem to be buying them or they're coming up as a standard equipment that some of this is in fact um, uh, uh, producing this uh, turnaround in what has been for the last uh, uh, few prior years an, an increase in, in uh, deaths and, and crashes um, in the in the US so uh, yes I think this is a very positive uh, uh, element and of course as I point out in the in the uh, in the smart driving cars newsletter uh, geez uh, what's it going to do once uh, the OEMs actually get the automated emergency braking systems to, to really work and um, and really sit there and, and make sure that uh, once we start misbehaving in cars it keeps us from misbehaving and keeps us from from crashing. So I think this is enormously positive news and uh, positive news for uh, safe uh, driving car technology. And uh, this is all very good. And I guess, uh, Tarek, you'd be encouraged by it, too. Another selling point. Let's let's do even more. That's yes. right. That's right. We're only getting started. Yeah, we're only getting that. That is a very, very true statement. We are only getting started. Popular Mechanics has a report with the headline, Some of the Best Self-Driving tech, Safety Tech is in a Subaru. Uh, and they're talking about the company's EyeSight Driver Assistance Technology, which you've had some personal experience with, I think, Alan? Uh, yes, and I guess, you know, uh, Popular Mechanics, I guess, at times sort of is a, I've always thought of it as more of a Sunday supplement sort of thing. But uh, yes, they point out the, with the Subaru, and of course, the Subaru, I think, is earned from uh, the IIHS, their highest safety um, um, uh, metric and uh, and have been for 
uh, the past few years. And I guess since Subaru uh, national headquarters in New Jersey, I guess I just decided to push Subaru on this one. Uh, it is good news. I mean, uh, it does come as standard equipment, and I, and I applaud uh, Subaru for doing it. From Medium, you include in the newsletter an interesting report in the in the Smart Driving Car newsletter with the headline, Why Dead Sonos Speakers Mean You'll Never Own a Driverless Car. What, what do they mean by that? Well, they mean by it that, that really uh, the issue is is with cars, and especially the way what Tesla is showing these days, is is that in fact uh, the improvement of the of the vehicle uh, comes with software, not necessarily hardware, and that the, in fact the hardware is able to at least uh, pass several generations of software upgrades before it itself uh, becomes uh, becomes obsolete or obsolescent. And, uh, you know, this is a very different force that's happening uh, in the car market. It, you know, it, it has been for 100 plus years that, you know, cars are, are sold uh, through dealerships. You go buy one and then it's your problem. And then the next thing you hear from the dealer is about how, how the car you just bought is really uh, not very good. Come buy a new one. And uh, all of a sudden, if in fact uh, we have improvement of these cars, uh, come not by putting more chrome or fins or or metal onto them, uh, they come by uh, by software upgrades and improvements and fixing uh, um, uh, glitches in 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 uh, in coding. Uh, that all of a sudden the car becomes, if not improved, in, in increasing in value, but at least maintains its value. And I think the next article sort of points this out with respect to Tesla, where, in fact, uh, now uh, we're seeing that in terms of uh, um, <clears throat> the, the value of a car after one year of ownership, uh, uh, what's the car that has the closest value to uh, to its initial cost is, is a, a Tesla is a Tesla, and and then when you compare this to especially some some um, um, uh, luxury vehicles uh, that uh, basically lose twenty five percent of their value in the in the first year, Tesla is hanging in there with a you know uh, only a five point two percent difference. The implication is is that I guess what people are seeing is that. Uh, is that uh, because of this uh, the over-the-air updating and the uh, improving of uh, the, uh, the capabilities of the vehicle as time goes on, that in fact uh, it doesn't depreciate as fast. And so this is a a very, I think, a very significant uh, implication on the uh, on the car buying market and 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 uh, the technology of cars. And so that's what uh, these two articles sort of focus on and put them out there for readers to see what they think. And and Elon Musk has made some pretty wild claims in in the past that when full self driving arrives, that the, the value of the car will actually be quite a bit higher. Yeah, well, of course, Elon always, you know, takes it takes it out there to some, uh, you know, asymptote, and uh, yeah, maybe. But the 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 fact is, is, this is just data now that the Model Three. I mean, lose last year. You buy one last year. What's the what's the market value of that car after one year? It's only lost five point two percent. So you know, this is just data. 
And so that's what the data are showing, as opposed to uh, what some of the uh, expectations and hypes might be. In the meantime, uh, Tesla shares have uh, had ups and downs. I think down down a bit today, a little under 900. But uh, they've closed a $2.3 billion stock offering. And uh, I don't know where it's, it's going. It's still going, though. Man, you know. Uh, sure, I'm glad I didn't short it at 450. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like crazy. Are are we in Holland? And and this is now, um, you know, um, the flowers that are that are basically um, uh, showing uh, such a, an increase in price. And uh, this is the this may be the biggest bubble in the world. I mean, if you look, if you compare the chart of, of Tesla stock prices and you compare it to uh, the stuff that was going on um, at the turn of the century uh, with the dot-com bubble, or if you look at the, compare it to the chart of, of Amazon or even even Microsoft, I mean, um, it's, it's in the class by itself in, in terms of potential bubble. Or is it going to just continue? I mean, isn't it nice that we can't forecast the future? Otherwise, <laughs> we would know and it'd be really boring. But the fact that we don't and we can't uh, makes it all very exciting. I, you know. Alan, did you say boring? Boring. <laughs> oh, did I say boring? Oh, well, no, Elon Musk's I did. boring company, uh, their Las Vegas Loop, is, is uh, now using a Tesla vehicles. So uh, uh, yeah, I did a lot say of synergy boring. going on. <laughs> yeah, a lot of synergy. You would have thought that, that we had practiced this, Fred. But yeah. uh, yes, uh, uh, look, uh, there's a video out there now so that uh, shows uh, the boring machine coming out the other end and breaking through. I mean, it's. Uh, I guess they didn't show the champagne bottles breaking and so on, but they, I would uh, assume they must have had some champagne bottles. Uh, but I, hey, uh, my goodness, uh, the, the boring company is also going to be successful. I mean, <laughs> Elon's on a roll. Yeah, there, I saw. He did lose. He did. He did lose his booster in the last launch of uh, SpaceX, and it, it missed uh, uh, the, uh, the the ship out out there. But you know, <sighs> wow. He, he also missed uh, landing Bill Gates as a customer. I think uh, Gates uh, apparently bought an electric Porsche, and uh, and Musk was online, I guess, uh, throwing some shade his way over that. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you want to spend a lot of money, you buy an electric Porsche. Why not? You know, Bill can afford it. Talk about synergy. I also saw a report uh, today, at least some rumors out there, that uh, uh, the uh, Tesla Powerwall may soon, which is part of the, the, the solar end of the, the company, may soon have the ability to, uh, on its own, uh, charge Tesla's So. Uh, a combination power wall and uh, an EV charger, which could be interesting. Yeah, well, you know, the the whole thing seems to be moving in a, in a plus direction these days. And uh, although there's a little setback in Germany with respect to uh, maybe as environmental impact as new new factory, and of course in China because of the virus. Uh, that I, I, I don't know to what extent they're producing out there, but at some point um, uh, those little hurdles will be overcome. And uh, um, geez, it seems like there's a lot going these days. Well, Tesla also made the clickbait section of your newsletter. 
with, with a report that hackers tricked Tesla's first generation autopilot into speeding up to 85 miles per hour in a 35 zone. That's with a mo they they modified a speed limit sign to do that. That doesn't seem like it'd be too hard to do. I don't know. Well, I don't think it's too hard to do. I think if I was driving by that sign, I might see it as, as 85 miles an hour also. Look, optical illusions are easy. Uh, they're trivial, and they're certainly trivial for any of these deep learning uh, image processing things. Uh, but, of course, this one seems to be easy to fix, certainly easy to fix in New Jersey. New Jersey, there are no 85-mile-an-hour speed limit sign. So if the system is coming out and saying 85 miles an hour, there should be another line of code that says, hey, you know, get another reading before you go to it. And I'm not sure that, I don't know, is there anywhere in the United States that we have 85-mile-an-hour signs? I, I don't think so. We, they, they're not in Germany either because they don't have them in miles per hour. I guess, you know, you could change a 35 kilometer an hour sign to an 85. I, I don't know. I mean, don't these people have anything better to do? Uh, there's a lot of hard work to be done here. And, and to think that you're going to come up with an optical illusion. You can go to the web and, and, and get optical illusions until you're, you're, you're blue in the face. So, you know, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't have much patience for some of that stuff. I, it's cute. It gives you, you know, clickbait. It gives you 15 seconds of uh, fame on the inner tubes. Uh, but otherwise, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have much patience for it. Tark, we, Tark, we know that uh, Elon Musk is not a fan of lidar. He's made that clear. You know how he feels about uh, the ground sensing radar? I haven't asked him personally, uh, but my my suspicion is that, uh, given the cost, he, he'd like it a lot. Yeah, given uh, if you come in at that cost, he's going to like it a lot, okay? That's right. That's uh, right. I mean, there is no doubt about it. And, and if, in fact, if it only does uh, the lane centering piece of it, uh, it's good to have there as a backup. And given the, uh, the opportunities to, to, um, to basically have, uh, have crowdsourcing collected data, have you correlate it, and then have you parcel it out uh, uh, geographically um, uh, so that it's not a heavy data burden is, um, I don't know, seems like almost a no-brainer. That's right. And in fact, one of the biggest features, features that Waves uh, has worked on today is autonomous parking. Um, and so that, that's also something that Tesla has released in the, in the Smart Summit. Uh, <laughs> that's not what it's, it's called. It's, it's, that's Alan. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a stupid summon is what I call it. Uh, but anyway, that's that's my only hang up with. But but of course, the other place that it can be really uh, valuable is in uh, some of these uh, localized areas. So I suspect that um, that what Lyft and Aptiv have been having problems with in uh, Las Vegas is actually bringing the vehicles right up to the. Uh, uh, the the front door of the various um, 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 casinos and so on. That's right. You, I would suspect that that whatever's underneath those roadways is is very unique uh, by the place. It, I, I don't suspect that uh, what's in front of the 
of um, one of them is the same that's what's in front of another one. So I think, again, with respect to the lane centering piece of this thing and getting to go into the right lane and, 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 and be in the center of that, it would seem like uh, you're sitting there with a, with a pretty good application. That's right. Every, every inch of road in Las Vegas has a different mobster bird underneath. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would suspect so. I mean, it might be. Yeah, and in fact, uh, you, you got to go redo some because maybe, uh, maybe the, the boring company has its tunnel underneath now. But the heck, what, what the heck, you just go over there and go get it again uh, you know, and update it. No big deal, right? That's right. That's right. You kind of know where the basically where the where the tunnel is. You might not know it to centimeter precision, but uh, you don't need to know it. Uh, you can put it. That's yeah. basically what, what makes uh, your approach uh, viable. That's right. In fact, one of the other things that WaveSense does is it's able to map utility infrastructure. Uh, obviously, a different product for a different market, but it's of high interest to DOTs, utilities. Um, any of those companies that really want to know uh, and oftentimes don't know where their uh, their assets are. Well, in fact, you know, you probably do that a whole heck of a lot better precision than, you know, with, with the folks that come out there and they say, call us before you dig. Uh, you know, uh, you basically have it. That's right. Moving on a little bit, uh, Jaguar Land Rover this week, uh, Alan, unveiled an electric autonomy ready shuttle designed for urban settings. They're calling it Project Vector, uh, a concept vehicle for now, but there are plans to have it built and, and on the roads, they're saying, next year. Yeah, but, you know, they put a driver's seat in there and a steering wheel and so on. So I guess uh, because they did that, I don't think they're really committed to make, uh, do, you know, this is another minibus. Plenty of minibuses. We've had minibuses for 50, 100 years. So. Yeah, we had Ollie at the, at the last summit, too. Yeah, but at least Ollie didn't sit there and right. put a steering wheel in it and so on. I mean, look, if we're going to provide mobility with these things and, and the mobility is going to be affordable, uh, then, uh, then we've got to be, we've got to deal with the labor issue. And if you have a, if you have a driver in there, uh, in some sense, except for the safety piece of it, uh, why, uh, why bother with, uh, at least the, the, all the technology, uh, that you need to make it really safe, uh, by itself and you just go halfway and, and, uh, and, basically take what is available in, uh, in dealers today and put it on the vehicle that comes uh, it comes as standard equipment and throw a driver in there but you've got to pay the driver unless you unless you think people are going to work for free and uh, we get back into a uh, slave market or something like that I don't know which isn't too politically uh, attractive. Well, as you, as you pointed out, we, we drive ourselves around uh, and we don't charge ourselves typically. Yeah, we don't drive. Our, we've <laughs> enslaved ourselves to this technology. I guess it's fine if you enslave yourself. If you have to enslave everybody else uh, to move you around, and, um, then I think uh, I think you have a problem. Doesn't you have work. a very fundamental problem. This isn't you know some 18th decimal place in something. This is a zero term. And so you've got to deal with it. Well, this ties into a recent report uh, that you have in the newsletter from Bloomberg that talked about some self-driving shuttle startups uh, saying revenue is elusive, but miles add up. And they're talking about May Mobility, for instance, operating a, a shuttle in Detroit. And they do have some paying riders. 
Yeah, they, they 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 pay drivers, and I you know I guess they're paying a minimum wage. At some point, uh, those drivers join unions, and they earn living wages. So if you're really going to scale when you're going to do this in something other than you know some niche environment, uh, you're going to have to deal with this and and um, and uh, uh, not paying people a living wage to do it. Uh, is, is I don't think a, an appropriate way to scale. It's not going to work. WaveSense has seen a lot of interest, incidentally, from the start, uh, autonomous startup, sorry, the autonomous shuttle uh, sector, because one of the challenges that they're facing is the environments that they oftentimes work in, whether it's you know airports or campuses or whatever, don't have a lot of features around them. So they're simpler from a perception perspective than your average road, but much more challenging from a localization perspective. So it's a sub-market for us uh, that we said, aha, this is a, this is really interesting because there aren't the features around here uh, that you would typically have. Yeah, sure. So it, it looks like the, you know, uh, the casino front door market, you know, all those things are tend to be unique. And so you do have an opportunity and they are within uh, within a geofenced environment and so on and so forth. So you, you do have the opportunity to do that and, uh, um, and uh, maybe move it out and scale it. But uh, I think to, to really scale it, you've got to deal with the, with the labor issue of the driver, I think. And um, at least that, that's that's the argument for driverless, to make what? it affordable. So we're, we're going to close out here with, with, with a question. What are you doing three months from today? Uh, Tarek and, and our audience out there, <laughs> what you ought to know about is the uh, fourth annual Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit coming up uh, May 19th for the 21st and uh we're you're already uh come up with a really interesting agenda alan and i know it's only going to grow yeah i think it's going to change a little bit because i guess um you know in uh, in a couple of weeks uh, here at least in new jersey we're going to publish out the uh, the report of the uh, legislative autonomous vehicle uh task force which uh really push and put New Jersey in play for for some of this technology and, uh, and so that will basically provide uh, uh, another uh, piece of, uh, of the focus uh, for the um, uh, for the summit in, in May so um, I'm expecting uh, New Jersey to be uh, uh, much more of a, a central point or an activity point for all this technology come May than it has in the past. Uh, so we'll see. Um, uh, but it, if, if not, you know, we've we've had three uh, really good summits. We can have a fourth. Uh, there's certainly plenty to talk about, plenty of work to do. And many well, of the um, leading players will be there and uh, lots of great discussion. Yep. Uh, hey, uh, that's the thing to have is discuss discussion. I mean, you know, this is still a, a work in progress. And we, we want to thank you, you Tarek, uh, for, for joining us here. Again, the CEO of WaveSense. Really appreciate you taking the time. Very interesting what you're doing. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, and I think you're, you know, you're providing a, a new thrust in, in all this. It's, uh, it's really very valuable. So thank you. And if you're looking for more information, the website is wavesense.io. 
You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and more. We want to thank our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.